How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Today is August the 4th, 2023. We have four months left in this year, which means that it will soon be 2024, that great election year. Uh, The debates shall be starting probably at the end of this month of August for the Republican contenders and also uh, the the mess is just all over the place with our thrice indicted former president, Doctor Hayes. Come on, greet somebody before we. Good morning. Good morning. Get good too morning. involved in in Vera. Keep your eyes open and your ears attuned. Yes. The story shifts and changes every day. Yes. But yet, we declare all is well with us because yeah. all is well with our souls. Great. It's one of the hottest uh, summers on record all over the world. Uh, People are dying from heat, exhaustion, and all. It's just a a mess. Storms all over the place, literally and figuratively. But I wanted to um, have this conversation uh, from the Surgeon General. This is not a a new... um, it's, a, it's an epidemic, as the Surgeon General put out. This was, in fact, in 2022, and it's getting some traction in 2023. And it's this epidemic of loneliness. And it's, it's interesting. I want to just play it real quick. Loneliness is far more than just a bad feeling. Being socially disconnected, which can range from feeling alone to being isolated, is bad both for individual and societal health. Research shows that loneliness and isolation are associated with a greater risk of heart disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. In fact, lacking connection can increase the risk of premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. Loneliness and social isolation are also far more common than we might realize. About one in two American adults report experiencing loneliness. Everyone can be impacted across all ages, socioeconomic conditions, and geographies. This widespread disconnection presents profound threats to our health and well-being. Social connection is as fundamental to our mental and physical health as food, water, and sleep. And it affects our performance and productivity at work, school, and in our communities. Now is the time to invest in building social connection. This first-ever Surgeon General's advisory on our epidemic of loneliness and isolation 
shows us how. The keys to connection are simple. Answer a phone call from a friend. Invite someone over to share a meal. Listen and be present during conversation. Seek out opportunities to serve others. These steps may seem small, but they're extraordinarily powerful. By strengthening our relationships, we can improve our heart and brain health, reduce our risk of diabetes and high blood pressure, boost our immune systems, and lower our risk of depression. We can build lives and communities that are healthier and happier, and we can ensure our country and the world are better poised than ever to take on the challenges that lie ahead. Visit surgeongeneral.gov/connection to learn more. Dr. Hayes, I I wanted to um share this because the statistics on loneliness, one and two, is the same statistics on getting cancer, one and two. One and two people. So if we if we broke that down and what this loneliness, uh, how it embodies itself, even with all of the, maybe this is why social media has such traction, how people develop these virtual relationships because of the need for connecting in uh, some way. And even if those connections are part of a toxic environment and maybe just maybe this is why um, my dad always said an empty wagon makes the loudest noise. And maybe that level of, of being loud and boisterous is just a, a front for, for loneliness. Um, and I think there's a difference between being alone and, and being lonely. And, and we see this played out even in, um, nursing home facilities, how the engagement in activities uh, in a new environment can um, uh, uh, sustain life, if you will, that engagement that's there. Finding a community, and what does that look like, and, and how does that feel? And and I, I'm intrigued because, again, as I stated, these same st- statistics, one and two will develop some form of cancer. So if you got three people, Two of those folks will develop this idea of loneliness. Uh, and I'm blown away or this concept of, of loneliness and, and what that leads. And it has the same effect on, on a body physiologically as smoking. And it's, it's, um, can, can we talk about this? Because I, I really, As much as I want to have space with Donald Trump and all the other shenanigans that the the Satan is doing in Florida and everything else, I'm really intrigued about this loneliness space um, and this epidemic that may not get so much traction. And maybe this is something that we see could be an effect for um, the rates of suicide, death by suicide. Can Can you just... Share what you're feeling. Well, I think certainly the uh, social media is not the answer to loneliness. Um, because I think the, the, the antidote for loneliness is emotional connection. And without the emotional component, you're just in the room with other people. You could still be lonely because you haven't made that emotional connection. And so... It's important for us to be in spaces with people we really care about or who we know care about us. Um, 
and that that kind of connection uh, is really found with people who are in our family or in our regularly attended gatherings, whether they be church or whether they be um, exercise groups at a gym or or whether they be uh, artists that get together and look at each other's uh, creative uh, expression. It has to be someone that we have an emotional connection to. So I want to also, and, and the, I guess the reason that I'm intrigued uh, by this this report is also the fact that now we are having a lot of conversations about artificial intelligence. And, and we've seen platforms such as the metaverse and some of the other things that Apple is, is rolling out with their technologies that create these virtual spaces um, that's really void of human connection and interaction, but it's in a virtual space and it's void of emotion. It's void of a soul, in other words. And mm-hmm. I believe that when we first... Um, the language of sheltering in place and social isolation at the at the very beginning of COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, that that the reason I believe that so much and perhaps even maybe some sociologists will do this research on the the lack of human connection because we had to isolate from humans could also have a correlation to those who died from COVID even much greater than the inflammatory responses that the bodies gave to ward off this virus. If you had comorbidities, but perhaps just being away from humans, that human connection, the touch of a hand, a hug, uh, um, uh, that had adverse effects on the body and the soul and certainly the mind, if you will. And I just wonder, um, if if there is is level of connections there, we saw pushback on folks who finally gave in to the fact that coming into worship spaces was detrimental to their health during the beginning of the pandemic. But there were those who were so uh, set like flint that they were going to be in this space, and maybe just maybe intuitively that was their need to be around humans to be around other emotive beings to make it work. And I believe that also animals can serve in that space of emotional support, uh, if you will. And I just, I know I'm offering a lot of conjecture here, but I'm just imagining um, how do we, how do we now constantly pivot in all that's constantly changing as you alluded to earlier? Well, I think, I think we've we've uh, made an assumption um that that found us unprepared <laughs> so that when we were without that uh connection or the ability to be in in common spaces with people we care about uh, we didn't really know what to do with that and um the result was loneliness and sometimes we don't understand that maybe church is the only place we can connect with people who care about us at all. Because if you live alone or if you uh, are part of a family that is real busy, 
and really doesn't take the time to connect with those who are more who are living more sedentary lives that the absence of that again emotional soul connection is greater for them because all they have is the is electronics they watch tv all day long listen to the radio or or online or that sort of thing but that's this is not a this is not a real person let's just call it what it is it's a substitute for genuine uh human connection and that's the thing we were created for each other and when we don't acknowledge that and do what it takes to celebrate that then we're all at a loss and even if we're going going to work or working at home or engaged in other activities that is still no substitute for the smile for the touch for the genuine conversation about real issues um and it's a thing that we have not really acknowledged and spent time on i think in in the human community we've just been busy and you can be busy and lonely and i think it's it's i think it's a good thing that we're talking about it today yeah and it's almost to a fault if you see um someone who might be a social misfit or even an anomaly so i just want to say this and I, and i i really don't don't want to bring this up but i think that a lot of our um Antisocial behaviorist, such as the the ogre who did that horrendous stuff to those um, sex workers, if you will, uh, the Gilgo um, person, uh, and and this man had a wife and children, but yet he was a social anomaly. By engaging in these behaviors, how in the world can you be in a, a family institution? A family institution is a social institution just like religious and education. How can we be in this family institution where there is a system in place where you engage with each other? You're living in the, under the same roof, yet you are a, a monster. How? How can that be? Is that, is that, are you, are you engaged in this epidemic of loneliness? Because we're seeing these stories come out from these social misfits who, I mean, he was an architect in Manhattan, had a property owner, his white privilege got him carte blanche, literally a white card to fly under the radar to be one of the worst people that walked the earth in modern times. How did this happen? Other than I don't want to say is evil. And if we go back and look at these antisocial people who engage in this, is there a diagnosis of loneliness? What is it? And how can it be? 
I think it's deeper than that. I think that's that's a psychological disorder, and a lot of that <clears throat> stems from early childhood environments. And we don't know the whole story. We don't know the whole story. But if you're if 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 you experience something early in life that affected the way you understand and view the West, rest of the world, that until we can get to the bottom of that, until we can get to, to those stories, and a lot of times individuals have blocked this out. They, there's a, a, <clears throat> a lack of consciousness of even how they got to be who they are. It's just an impulse now. And it and it creates this desire, this inordinate desire, to kill. Uh, I think it's a lot deeper than loneliness, and I think I, I don't want to conflate uh, those two issues with genuine mental disorders. But I think we need to take a look at some of these families that are supposed to be so well to do, when psychologically spiritually they are broken and they're raising children and treating them in 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 bad ways uh not allowing them to be children but forcing them to be exposed to a lot of adult behavior um uh, that is counterproductive so you you um so well, we do know that ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, are real, and um, and I believe that there there are you you just don't know what happens to a child, in a, and that doesn't have the bandwidth or the the mental capacity to. Uh, discern because the frontal lobe isn't fully developed. And so what we see in these ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, are repressed traumas, if you will. And those those repressed traumas can manifest itself out in adulthood. Sometimes it's missing these stages of development. You know, a child having to experience adult situations at an early age. It's not that they are mature, but they are placed in these adult situations like trying to figure out where food is going to come from. A child should not have to struggle that way. Or um, uh, there are other things that happen um, in terms of adverse childhood experiences. I I don't even know what it would feel like to have, and this is something so, so that happens a lot, that say a parent has a terminal illness and that parent dies uh, at a child at an early age without the proper grief counseling that child could have repressed trauma from not having that uh, significant adult in his or her life. Even the loss of a dog can be an ch- adverse childhood experience if emotionally that child is not able to um, share in that grieving a grieving process or when we use the language and th- I'm so grateful. I hope that we've outgrown this when we see young boys uh, we tell them to suck it up. Don't cry. That's an adverse childhood experience. Let the let the young men, let the little boys cry. It's okay. That's part of the emotional development. If you snub your toe, it hurts. Cry. If that's the emotive response that you need to deal with that level of pain. But we have we have constantly suppressed and created these mechanisms in place. I think about 
we talk about black people and and epigenetically the trauma that we carry through um, the DNA of our ancestors who may have been enslaved and 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 watching. I don't know what it would feel like to have that brain altered to see someone in your family beat with the whip as an example. I mean, to see that, to witness that by the same token, to see these little white kids who went to lynch mobs, lynching gatherings after service on Sundays, that stuff travels in their DNA as well. And so maybe just maybe now we get this low affect that's taking place that people don't have the proper emotional response to handle or to see each other as humans, you know, and, and, I, I I don't know. Um, something is unleashed on this earth to where we don't care about caring, and and when we when we laugh when it's inappropriate, that's scary. Everything is not a joke, especially when we we couch it as uh, comedy when it's really hurting because of tragedy. And, and lookism and we have developed a whole industry around mocking people. Um, that's what Saturday Night Live is. That's what the National Enquirer is. To some extent, that's why Steve Colbert and Trevor Noah and all these other folks mocking people. I mean, I, I think we can do better things than to make fun of at the expense of I'd say it's all about the money. It's all about um, engaging in not pro-social, but anti-social behavior. Who gets a pass? I mean, we got Lizzo having uh, lawsuits and, and her, it, it's, it's a contradiction because she built a career on body shaming and affirming that it's okay for you to be who you are full, thick, whatever. But these lawsuits against her, that her dancers are alleging is, this is exactly what is alleged that is perpetrated by her industry. It's doesn't make sense, Dr. Hayes. But these effects, these adverse effects, and this epidemic of loneliness, I don't think we are really scratching the surface, as you said. It goes much deeper. Um. Um, the bully pulpit, if you will. And I'll stop talking because I want folks to hear what you got to (laughs) say. Well, to to me, and I come from a a more um, mature or aged perspective, um, there there is just no substitute uh, for genuine affection among human beings. And I I saw a piece the other day where school teachers are now having sessions or or exercises on how to be kind. How to be kind. These are lessons that that we learned at home, but people don't have time. They don't take time to spend in ordinary situations and teaching children what the appropriate response should be. I mean, we take we take all of these things for granted, but you'll see that it's a missing link in the maturation process 
for our young people. And they they are they are flatlined. They don't they have no expression. They have no means of emotional connection. You give them something, they look at you, they take it, and they look at you like it's you know nothing. They don't. In other words, it means nothing. Um, and so I I, I really don't. I think we're missing a whole lot um, in those first formative years, the first five years of a person's life is when they they are shaped and formed in terms of how they interact with other human beings and in terms of how they project themselves and offer themselves uh, as vessels and resources for other people. And so here we are. And and our creation as bipedestal beings, if we believe at least the monotheistic tradition's creation story, was that this council of gods, and you see this in the first chapter of Genesis, made a decision to create uh, in their image the beings that we know and we have superimposed um, a gender as male and female. Um, but the Council of Gods with the big G-O-D created these humans simultaneously so that perhaps this level of community could be actualized. So that this is the monotheistic tradition. It's not that one where later on where the... the, um, the masculine is falling asleep and then a rib is pulled out. That story is a redaction at its finest, I do believe. And I hope one day God will tell me I was wrong in my interpretation. But I land on that first story of creation where at the same time in community, the creator of the universe in, in, in that creator's image created the bipedestal beings that we have thrown into this labeling of humankind. And it seems like an oxymoron to say humankind when we haven't been kind towards each other. Um, and, and maybe just maybe that is where we are, that we have to reclaim that humanity, that humaneness, in our humanness to care for each other and to especially reach out to those who um, we know intuitively are isolated. We know intuitively those who need to be nudged a little bit. When we think of someone, we should really call and reach out. It doesn't take much or write a letter um, and if the best we could do is send a text message, a meme, uh, uh, emoji, then do that because somebody is is hanging on the thread. And I think that's the way we tap into our spirituality because when people come to mind, where does that come from? <laughs> Except that there is a spiritual dynamic, a connection that says, look, you may need to check on this person or this person is getting ready to check on you. Uh, it's like a precursor or prelude 
to uh, emotional, spiritual connection. And I think we don't give a lot, you know, we give a lot of attention to those, those aspects of our humanity, but without our spirituality and our emotional um, content, we, we really are dead. And I think that's what, in essence, you know, it ends up being that we say we're lonely. Well, lonely means you you just on your way. You're close to being dead. And so it's not something to be taken lightly. Uh, it's, it's a wake-up call, if you will, that lets us know we better pay attention to these impulses that we have and to take a little more time with our intuition um, and not just override it and continue to go our own merry way uh, without tapping into to what that what that spirituality and intuition can let us know and help us to be the full human beings that we were created to be. Amen and Ashe, let us tap into our intuition so that we tap into each other. Uh, thank you, Dr. Hayes. It's Good been be real. Doctor. It's been real. It's been fun. Until next time. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.